Hello, we're pleased you've been able to tune in again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr Andrew Corbett. Welcome to the program. How do we do one another in a digital, virtual world where we've now got people perhaps who have, for whatever reason, have made their church experience an online experience? In a world that has been characterised by distancing and isolation in recent times on a background of a pandemic of loneliness, the practice of anything to do with one another has become strained. There's only so much relationship you can do from a distance. We need to be together, and that's not a new concept. The writer to the Hebrews in the New Testament of the Bible had some things to say about meeting together, not just to chat in a superficial way, but to stir one another up for love and good works. Tonight, Dr. Corbett continues with the One Another series, which looks directly at how we should consider and treat those around us. Let's join him now for a slightly different format, but a chat about stirring up one another. So tonight, we're going to take a slightly different approach. We're going to have a discussion continuing with this theme of one another and again, basing ourselves in scripture. We're going to be anchoring in Hebrews chapter 10 and uh, and speaking more about how to behave with one another. Now, Andrew, the context of Hebrews chapter 10, who who's the audience? Well, who's the, being spoken yeah, to? The, the audience, Karen, is the Hebrews, and it's probably written from Rome to those Jewish Christians in, in Jerusalem. And probably more importantly, it's when it was written. It was written almost certainly around 63 AD. And for those who perhaps understand the history of the first century, we, we, you'd recognize that in 64 AD, the, the first wave of Roman persecution broke out against Christians. And that's when Christians around the empire were uh, dragged out of their homes and were executed under, under order of Nero. And so these one another references that um, we'll look at in a moment when we, when we have a look at Hebrews chapter 10, take on a completely different light in that context. So this phrase, one another, is being applied to the church when it was still relatively new, if we're talking about mm. 63, 64 AD, they were still relatively new. So rather than being uh, a disciplinary command, you've got to do this to one another and do that, it, it was more of an encouragement coming from the writers in the New Testament, kind of getting the, the Christian church to regroup and to focus on what was important. So we're mm. in Hebrews chapter 10, and we're looking at verse 24 specifically, and mm. let us consider consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Now that's stirring up. What do we do with that? Yeah, and I guess this is where if you're seeing a church that's increasingly under persecution, increasingly under, especially the Hebrew church, the Hebrew church had had a long history of persecution anyway, because we read in Acts chapter 8 that Paul was given letters from the high priest to go and find Christians and drag them out of their homes and do his best or do his worst, I suppose, to them. So here we've got a context in, in which these Hebrew Christians, these Jewish Christians, are now under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the writer to them, and we don't know who the writer is, but the writer to the Hebrew Christians is telling them as much as you see the day approaching. And so we, we have, you've read just read verse 24, verse 25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging, and here's another one, another, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So it seems like the writer 
is sensing in the Holy Spirit that, that a day, a, a terrible day is coming and that the believers in, in Jerusalem need to be meeting together regularly. And this one another, it conjures up the, the picture of not just fellowship, but this word koinonia. Koinonia means having all things in common. And so you've got this picture of the early church in Acts chapter 2 where believers sold things and shared things and gave the proceeds to the apostles and they, they did all that. As we go through the epistles, we, we read of some of these other things that we've already looked at where Paul writes to the Corinthians, wait for one another. He, he also says to honor one another and to comfort one another to the Corinthians as well. And here the writer to the Hebrews is saying, now more than ever, it's important that you don't draw back. Don't, don't hide. Don't seek to abandon Christ or abandon church, but meet together and be, be aware of this one anotherness about Christianity. I, I guess, Karen, that the relevance of it for today is that we've, we can see this in Scripture and, and without understanding the context in which it's written, we can go, well, that, that's lovely. And it does almost sound like a rebuking command, doesn't it? You know, don't neglect to mm. meet together. But really, the, the writer is saying something's coming where it's going to make living as a believer in Christ even more difficult. And it's more important than ever before that you continue to meet together and to look at these one another. And this whole thing of stir one another up, it, it, I guess I'm hearing in that in between the lines, it sounds like believers were losing heart. I mean, we're talking 63 AD. We're talking 30 to 33 years after the crucifixion. So we've got believers who have kind of lost their way a bit. They've, they've lost heart. They are beginning to think, well, it doesn't matter if I meet today. Perhaps some of them, well, it sounds like if, if they're saying, if the writer is saying, do not neglect to meet together. It sounds like some of them have started just to neglect to meet together. Now, today for us, that, that can look like all the pressures that we're facing without it even being persecution. It can be the pressures of, you know, uh, sporting commitments where you've got children who perhaps have sport on, on when church is meeting. It could be perhaps, you know, your, your workers are wanting you to work regularly when the church meets. And perhaps these are some of the things that we, we shouldn't be too quick to just use as excuses for not joining together and fellowshipping together. Perhaps we need to consider how do we apply what the writer to the Hebrews is saying here, stir one another up to good works, love and good works, and to not neglect to meet together. It's interesting that um, that, commu- that humanity hasn't really changed. So we see behaviour here in the New Testament that is not dissimilar to what we see in our own communities. Mm. And I, I think of some of my colleagues, you know, you can get worn down by the stuff of life and sometimes you need to go to a, a professional conference and to mix with colleagues from other areas and get a fresh vision, if you like, a kind of zhuzhing up in your mm. profession to kind of go, yeah, I remember why I was doing this. I, yeah, this mm. is really good. And you go back invigorated mm. into your workplace. And we see the same thing happen, and we've seen it happen fairly recently as a result of COVID, where churches, of course, have been closed for a period of time. Meeting together hasn't been possible. And there's been a reluctance to get back together. It's so easy to go, you know what? The stuff of life has become too big. 
I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to look after myself. I'm going to, you know, stay in my little quiet corner and revive. Mm. So things haven't really changed, have they? New Testament to Mm. where we are today. Human behaviour seems very similar. Karen, this week I, I had someone come and see me who said, you know, my ideal response to what's been going on would be a cabin in the mountains away from people. <laughs> oh, you know, and I think the psalmist said, you know, oh, that I had the wings of a bird, that I could just fly away. But interestingly, the person who said that to me said, but I read scripture and I read that scripture talks about being in fellowship with one another to, to, for the church to be meeting together regularly, for the church to be a part of each other's lives. And this, is, this really is the, is the challenge, I think, for us now. How do we do that? One of the things that we're looking at as a, a leadership is, is to look at all of the scriptures that talk about what is church. And church does involve having, having a part in our lives. Church, it, for many people, church has been about the show on a Sunday. It's been about the entertainment, mm-hmm. the music, the preaching, the, the whatever, the performances that happen perhaps. But now we're really having to come back to God's word. Let's reassess this. Let's have a look. What does God's word say church was always meant to be? What is the goal of church? What's the point of church? What, what, why do we gather? And this is where, Karen, words in the scripture that describe the church meeting, not just hanging out. It's not a hangout. It's not a mob. It's not a, just a gathering. There's words like assemble. And assemble carries with a, a certain weight uh, that perhaps we may not appreciate. But when we assemble, we, we look at verses like this in Hebrews where it talks about, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So I guess there's, a, there's an understanding that church isn't what just happens between you know, the hours of 10 and 12 on a Sunday morning. And it's not just what happens within the walls of the church. That, that church is also good works. In other words, we're considering how we can stir one another up to help our community outside of our four walls. We begin to stir one another up about how we can love people who perhaps don't know any love in their life at all. And when we begin to think like this, we begin to think beyond what we might ordinarily think of church. So, for example, I was talking with a political candidate and as we record this, we're in the season of a well, I think we've been in the season of an election campaign for quite a while, but it's officially underway now, mm. uh, that uh, this political candidate came and said, you know, what, what is it that could really improve our society, our community? And I think there's a couple of practical, very, very practical things. And for most of us who live in our city, and I'm aware that people listen to this by podcast and they listen around the world, but if you ever have a look at Tasmania and see where we are, where Tasmania's in the shape of a heart, and where that cleavage is, is, is the Tamar River. And that, the Tamar River needs, needs some help. <laughs> it needs not just help, but, but it's actually a magnificent river that you can hardly get access to, apart from a little bit uh, in closer to Launceston. It's very, very difficult to get access to it and probably would benefit, I think, tourism-wise, economically, and all the rest of it, if we had access from the heart of the, the river, or whatever whatever the river's terminology is, from Launceston, all the way up to uh, one of your favourite parts of the world, Georgetown. Mm-hmm. And to be able to have access to it, it's amazing how many uh, cities of the world give you that. Mm-hmm. 
and here we don't. And I think that's, that would have an economic benefit. It would also have, here's a thought as well. Now this is, people might think, hang on, what's this got to do with church? What's this, this got to do with you know, living a Christian life and that kind of thing? Well, this is the point. Stir up one another to good works, to love and good works. It can be an act of love on the part of those who know Christ to think beyond their four walls, to think beyond their own Christian community, to think, how can we be a blessing to our broader community? What is it that we can do? And so some of the things that we've done recently, Karen, you'd be aware of, the, the collective churches of Launceston have been working on a respite centre for traumatised children and youth. And it's been a beautiful thing as part of the Tasmania celebration to see Christians from over uh, 50 churches around our city come together, chip in working bees and, and all that to, to be able to dress up Nine Kilifaddy Road and the grounds outside and make it into a, a respite peace garden uh, for the purpose of seeing those children and youth who are a part of, and here's where I might, if I had a frank conversation with a politician, I'd say, you know, not only is the river a, a physical, practical issue, but there's also a social problem that we have here that we think Christians have got something to speak into. And that's the, the issue of family violence or domestic violence or violence against women and children. There's all sorts of terms for it, but we all know what we're talking about. It is a huge problem, a huge problem in, in our state. And as Christians, I think we can make a contribution there. I recently, in fact, very recently, had a conversation with a single woman who said, you know, I'm at a point in my life when I, I've got a career, I don't really want to get married and have a family right now, I've, I'm developing my career, but I do want to help into, into this space. I'm applying to become a foster carer. I want to be a part of having troubled children or teens come and just spend the weekend with me. I can give them my weekend and maybe, just maybe, I can make a difference. Now, Karen, someone might hear that and go, oh, I could do that. Mm. And, and that's the kind of thing that I think could result from one another stirring each other up to love and good works. Which says fairly clearly that stirring one, anoth- one another up to love and good works is not, it's, it's not perhaps church as we may have seen it, where you come on the, the day that church is on for us, it's a Sunday morning and you sit and you observe and you stand when you're supposed to stand and you sit mm. when you're supposed to sit and you pray when you're supposed to pray and then you go home. Church is actually far more participatory, as it were. Um, and I think perhaps that's become much clearer in the post-COVID church closure mm. period because you're right, we've had to say, well, what does what is church actually for? Because when mm. we didn't have the opportunity for that performance on the platform and we didn't have the opportunity to come, we had to decide what does church look like? And the word community is one that we're using a lot, certainly here at Lagana. Mm. And if people are stirring one another up to love and good works, it means that they're going to be getting their hands dirty in mm. the community and and being a part of the community. So this message is not for Christians necessarily to just action within the four walls of the church. This is for Christians to action in the community, taking 
the, the, the very practical part of God's love out where it's required, where yeah, it's needed. Yeah, absolutely. And this is where, again, I, I hope people are hearing what we're, we're saying. And we're not trying to say anything that we, we don't think God's word is actually encouraging because love and good works. Now, of course, there, there can be that. There can be that within the four walls of the church, and there should be. And we hear stories all the time of volunteer organizations in our community that are struggling. They are struggling to get volunteers. And here we have the church. The church is actually largely driven forward by volunteers. You know, I'm in the fortunate position of being paid. I'm, I'm paid, I'm supported to be, a, to be a pastor, to be able to care, to be able to preach and teach and to minister to people. But my, my main role is actually to equip people to do those things. And so, uh, Karen, you'd be aware through the One Another series, we've had a number of our folk who perhaps don't normally have an opportunity to preach on a Sunday, but have, have been given that opportunity. Because my role is to help them to be able to do that kind of thing. But then there's got to be this element of doing something beyond each of our four walls. Now, I've heard, as I've talked with pastors and church leaders, they've told me, they've told me that they've they've gone around, they've they've taken meals around to people, they've even to participate in communion where perhaps they're live streaming and and they they will say to the people you know who are watching from home or wherever they're watching now we want you to join in communion and some some church leaders got the idea well we're telling people that but what do they do they go to the the fridge and they you know they pour a you know bottle of coke or whatever they how do they actually join in communion when they don't have what we might consider to be the elements of communion. So some churches have, have gone around and in a very COVID safe way have delivered the communion elements and we're using the uh, pre-packaged thing where you tear off the seal so so you could just you know drop it at people's door. One of the things that we are doing, Karen, is thinking through, okay, what, what good work can we do with the technology that we've got now? And we, we've just appointed Kate to oversee that and to think, through okay, how do we how do we do one another in a digital virtual world where we've now got people perhaps who have for whatever reason have made their 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 church experience an online experience. Now we could all complain about that. We can all say, but you know that's not right. We should be face to face. We should be we shouldn't be just digital. We shouldn't just be on the internet or on on a website or something like that. We should actually be physically in the same room. Well, Karen, you and I both know that there are some people who perhaps are immunocompromised, perhaps they have issues that, that preclude them from actually doing that now and for them, and we have those in our own church as well, who if they meet with people and they get COVID, it could be a death sentence. Mm -hmm. So we, we've got to think through, let's not be judgmental about saying, you know, you shouldn't neglect them. You know, we can touch on that in a moment, the second half of the this one another bookends. But there is a sense in which, okay, what what do we do? And and for some churches that they've started online Bible study groups, I think it's important that we're able to take the principles of what, what we see church is. Church is about being together. It's the one another's. It's what we can do for each other. And how can we make that work? So I've heard some wonderful stories of churches around our city, around our state, who have been caring for people, uh, sending birthday cards out to people who perhaps you would ordinarily, you know, wish happy birthday on a Sunday with people and that kind of thing. And they've, they've been doing that. 
So when we talk about stirring up one another, it, I, I, want, I, I want us to really go deep on this, to, to think in terms of, okay, let's, this is an expression I've used, Karen, a few times, let's turn the lemons that life is throwing us into lemonade. Mm. What does that lemonade look like? And I guess one of the things too is how do we, and I, I, don't, I don't claim to have all the answers in this, but what do you do as the church in a culture that is increasingly fearful? And there are people are fearful. They're, they're fearful to meet with people. They're, even though in, in our culture, you don't have to wear masks in most places, apart from hospitals and chemists and things like that, and nursing homes. But many people are still wearing the mask, and that, that's not a judgment call. It, it's simply an indication that there are people who are still very nervous about being around people. So, Karen, we're, we're just trying to think, what do we do to, to be able to be the church, to be able to stir one another up to love and to good works? What does that look like in this realm? And it's, it's challenging all of us because it's asking us to step out of our comfort zone and for those uh, who are introverts and I will include myself in that as surprising as that may be if you are somebody who is not refreshed by being around a lot of people then the last thing you want to do is to put your hand up to be going off and doing this and doing that and be be part of you know be part of another project or what have you so the challenge then is to go well how do I do the one another thing how do I care how do I encourage how do I stay somebody up and I think one of the keys is being prepared to be vulnerable and be prepared to be involved that is a really uncomfortable place it's much easier to either attach yourself to the live stream and what a blessing it is Mm -hmm. to be able to use technology to enable people to do church even if they can't be in the building but it takes courage to not to come to church and not just to sit and to absorb but to actually interact to seek out ways to touch somebody else encourage somebody else yes. you know be part of somebody else's world for their benefit to move our own personal headspace from i'm surviving i'm busy i'm tired i am fearful of you know should i have a mask on or should i how close should i stand like there there is a lot of angst in being in community with people and that and that's part of of where we've been over the last you know months and and years and we need to kind of break out of that headspace again Mm. but it's going to take courage and it's going to take a determination to be vulnerable with one another Mm. um, to be able to care for one another and and stir one another up to develop relationships Mm. such that we have that permission to stir Mm. one another up yeah, and, that, and that's, a, that's a part of, you know, let's put COVID aside for a moment. Let's imagine, we, you know, COVID was never a thing. We would still be having this conversation. We would still be saying that we, we had seen a cultural trend anyway. And the cultural trend anyway was isolation. And the, there was a pandemic happening before COVID ever became a thing. And it's the pandemic of loneliness. And so we've still, we would still be having this conversation. What does it look like? to stir one another up to love and good works and to not neglect to gather together as is the habit of some. And so I guess when we talk about what is a church that God has designed for every believer to be a part of, it, I, I, I'm hoping that for some, the, the, the money might drop into the parking meter a bit on this, that, that when people say, yes, I've found an online church, it's in London or it's in Los Angeles or it's in wherever. Now, 
good for you if you live in London or you live in Los Angeles, but not so good for you if, if you're actually you know, on the ground here and you're avoiding those people who are within proximity. I think there is a proximity that, that either is replicated or can be actualized. So what, what I mean by that is, I think when the writer to the Hebrews was writing this to them, he wasn't at all thinking that they should be you know, corresponding by mail with the Christians in Rome and calling that church. You know, as if that level of communication was church. There's got to be a sense in which, okay, we, we've, we are called to do this to one another. And, and you and I both know the only time you really take someone coming along and stirring you up is when you know that they care for you, when, they, when you know they care, when, they, when you know that they actually know you. And that takes time. It takes conversation. It takes uh, all those things. And ideally, it takes you know having meals together and time away together. And that's why I think uh, there was a, a church recently on the, the Labor Day weekend. They do an annual camp up on the northwest coast. And good for them because what that means is they're doing some of those things that deepen koinonia, deepen fellowship with each other. Koinonia, that Greek word, which means to, to be in common. And so... When we're, we're talking about uh, stirring one another up and, and you know, stir one another up to love and good works, there's, there's a sense in which if, if you're claiming that your pastor is literally around the other side of the world and has never had a conversation with you or has never met you or doesn't even know you exist, you're going to meet with me, and if you were to meet with me, and find that I'd be highly skeptical as to whether that is actually going to pass muster as someone who can care for your soul, which is what the writer to the Hebrews goes on in three chapters. And he says, that's what shepherds are supposed to do. They're supposed to, in, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, it, they, they watch over your soul. They, they care for you. So this is where the one another's really the, the the rubber hits the road here, Karen, that we're, we're talking about, okay, if online church, live stream church, webcasting, whatever the terminology you want to use, if that's your deal, if that's your deal, and by the way, it, it is a part of our deal. We now recognize that. For us, we recognize that we've got multiple congregations uh, within, within the, the overall congregation of our church. We have these people. What we are now doing is we are, as a leadership, we are thinking through how do we implement these one another's, especially this one, to stir one another up to love and to good work? So we've already seen some of the other one another's, as you mentioned, there's 52 different one another's mentioned in the, just the epistles of the New Testament. And they all talk about this, the interaction we have with one another. You mentioned that it means vulnerability. Put COVID aside, it still means vulnerability. Mm -hmm. You know, even, you know, let, let's hope, God willing, that we get through this pandemic of COVID. We've still got the pandemic of loneliness to deal with. That's, that is endemic in society, if not pandemic in society. Mm. We have to figure out how can we offer something to culture and society that they don't have at, the, at, this, at this stage uh, through COVID. How do we offer the ability for someone to be stirred up, to be encouraged, 
to love and to be encouraged not to neglect to meet together. So this is a part of our challenge. This is what we're, we're hoping we can do. And I hope for those who are joining with us now here on Finding Truth Matters, that for them, they recognize that they, they need to you know, still be a follower of Christ. To be a follower of Christ means to be planted into a community of believers who get to know them and get to really love them, who get to hear their heart, they get to hear their dreams, their aspirations. What, what a wonderful thing it is, Karen, when a believer can share with another believer their struggles, their hopes, their fears, and perhaps even their doubts. To be able to share with those people who love them and to hear their brothers and sisters say to them, you're okay, you're going to be okay, you're going to get through this. We're going to love you and help you to get through and we're with you 100%. And then what a beautiful thing too, to stir up one another to good works, where we say, come on, this coming Saturday, we're going to go around to such and such's house. They've had a bit of a hard time. Perhaps it's a, a single mum who hasn't had an opportunity to mow her lawn or do her gardens or, or paint her house or whatever it is. We're going to get around there and we're going to help her. We're going to be the community of believers. We're going to be the church. So Karen, I, I hope that what we've shared now is something that, that encourages one another, encourages those who are listening with us and joining with us now to think, okay, how can you as a follower of Christ be a part of a church where you get to be vulnerable with others, you let them into your life, into your heart, into your soul, and how can you be someone who not only stirs up your other brothers and sisters to love and good works, but allow them to stir you up to love and good works as well? So Karen, I, I hope that, that people get this, they get to hear our heart, that church can still be church despite COVID. And you totally took the words right out of my mouth then, Andrew. What I was going to say is this stirring one, and up, one another up is a two-way street. It, it's not a directive that, that goes in one direction only. Um, and we need to be prepared to be stirred up, which can only happen when we have relationship um, with people. And that can only happen, not via text message or remotely, but when we're up close and personal and meeting together, being together and developing relationship and fellowship. Um, hope this has been an encouraging discussion for people and a challenge for us to think as believers. How do we stir one another up how to love and good works by not neglecting to meet together. As we've heard tonight, we need to meet together to courageously be vulnerable and develop relationship with one another, to stir one another to love and good works and be prepared to be stirred ourselves. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to meeting with you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.